Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... What? Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm very pleased to welcome into our podcast this week. It is the former junior lightweight world champion, Michaela Mayer. Mikhail, it's a pleasure to have you on here. We're going to talk about your very significant fight coming up. But uh, first of all, how are you doing and how is camp going as we get closer to your January 20th date with Natasha Jonas? I'm doing great. Great. I know every fighter says that about this time. <laughs> and, uh, I genuinely feel this fight because of myself to sort of fill out and be a comfortable weight. And so usually at this point in camp, I'm lying right now. I don't feel that great. <laughs> but, um, no, I genuinely feel good and strong, still going good and sparring, and I'll be ready. All right, so I'll tell the people, you're going to be going over to Liverpool, England, to challenge uh, Natasha Jonas for the IBF Women's Welterweight World Championship. That will take place uh, January 20th, like I mentioned. It's going to be on ESPN Plus here in the United States. And as I was looking over your record, I realized, you know, you've been fighting regularly, it seems like, in the U.K., and I realized, yes, this will be, in fact, your fourth consecutive fight in England, uh, I just wondered: uh, is that is it something that you enjoy doing, and is it because that's just where the bigger fights are and the money is, or is is there some other reason that you continue to continue to go there? And how's your British accent these days? Uh, it's getting better, but <laughs> still pretty <laughs> shitty. Um, <laughs> no, it's more of a strategic business thing. Uh, there's uh, most of my fights, most of my next big moments and big fights are against people out in the UK. So um, it's, especially this fight, this is where I need to be to get myself back in position. You know, I, I started fighting out in the UK when we had that big women's card, uh, Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall and, and me versus Baumgartner. And that that just so happened because we thought it would be amazing to have a huge female card at the O2 Arena, and it was. We sold it out. It was awesome. And then from there, I just, I guess the Brits like me. So I continue right. to fight out there. Um, and now if you look at all my big future opponents and my big fights, they're against girls from that side of the pond. So now it's just sort of a business move, and I'm glad I've done it. So now I'm not so much of an underdog. So I mentioned this fight will take place in uh, Natasha's hometown of Liverpool. The other fights that you have fought in the UK were against women that, of course, you were traveling from America to go there, but you fought in the UK against another American in Baumgartner, as you mentioned. You fought another one of your opponents was from Italy. Another one was from Sweden. But this is the first time you're fighting a Brit in Britain, not only in Britain, but in her hometown. Um, Do you have any pause about that aspect of this matchup? That's true. I didn't realize, I guess this is my first Brit. For someone who fights over there so often, this is my first Brit. And it is in our hometown, so that's new for me. You know, I've I've always been on the A side, I think, you know. And um, 
now I'm kind of going into enemy territory, and I know that they go hard for their people over there. You know, Natasha Jonas is very well respected. So I don't know. I don't know how the fans are going to react to me. I also know that I have a, a big fan base there now, too, because I've fought in there so much in the last year. But still, you know, I think the crowd is going to favor Natasha, and that's okay. I'm okay with it. Um, I've had all the experience I need in the world. Um, you know, when I by the time I'm walking to that ring, I'm so zoned in, focused. Second that bell rings, all the noise is going to go out the window. So if they boo me, they boo me. I mean, I, I've been watching your entire career. I was at your pro debut. I've been to many of your fights. I've watched many of your interviews. We've interviewed before. I, I get the feeling you can if you want. You can play the heel really well if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I could. But uh, I don't know. It's hard to, to build that type of – I mean, you've seen me do it before with my opponents. Yeah. But it's hard to build that with someone like Natasha Jonas, who's just so nice. Right. Like, she's, she's <laughs> like a gem over there. Everyone loves her. You know, she doesn't do anything wrong. She doesn't really talk any smack about people. So, you know, I, it would be out of character for me. And I'm, it just – wouldn't seem right if I started going at her hard in a certain way. Um, so this fight is more, I think, uh, two two women. We're both Olympians. We both have huge accomplishments, huge amateur pedigree, pedigree um, former world champions. And so, or she is the world champion, me a former world champion. But, you know, we, we, we're pioneers in this sport. So now this is, this is the strategic fight. This is a, you know, who... Who's going to – I think a lot of people are thinking that one of us is at the end of our career, and it's not me. <laughs> well, she's 39 years old, and she was the one that was yeah. in the Olympics in, I believe, 2012. You are 33 years old. You were in the Olympics in 2016. And yeah. even though you do actually have a few more pro fights than she does, you're going – This is you have 20 pro fights. She's got, mm-hmm. what, 16 or 17 pro fights. Uh, so when you say that, that some people think one of you is at the end of your career – I kind of take the viewpoint that it seems to me that neither one of you are at the end of your career, even though she may be older. You've both been fighting really well. Uh, you know. Yeah. Why, why would, well, why would you, you know, say that, a, though, I guess? I mean... I think there's a lot of ageism and sexism in this sport. You know, there really is. Like, I'm 33, and I've had, heard a handful of, handful of people say that, oh, now I'm at the tail end of my career, blah, 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 I'm declining. Yet, you know, Canelo's 33, and he's in his prime. It's just... So you, you, have, get, you get two different storylines. You have one loss by like a one point split decision, and you're at the end of your career. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, I don't. I feel better than I've ever felt, especially since I'm letting my body fill out now. I'm fighting at a more natural weight. I can put on that muscle. That you know, think about it. Most people, as they develop into their career, by the time they're 33, they've moved into three different weight divisions. I've stayed at 130 for 15 years. So yeah. it's time. It's time for me to, to fill out, and I feel great. So I was going to ask you about that. Did you did you go? I mean, you you were a champion and unified champion at 130 pounds. In fact, the fight where you unified the titles against Hamadouche was one of the great women's fights I've ever seen. Uh, Thank you. One of the I mean, I was ringside for that fight, so I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because of that, but that was a hell of a fight. But here's the thing, though: you, you were a unified champion at 130. Uh, after you uh, lost the belt to Baumgartner, your next fight was at 135. Then you fought at 140. Not title fights. Now you're fighting for a title at 147. So my question is: Were you moving up to uh, through those weight classes so quickly because of, uh, as you mentioned, you were just wanting to put the weight on and it was making you feel better or stronger, or was it more because you had the opportunity to go to welterweight to become a world champion again? So a little bit of both. I immediately knew I was moving to 135. That next fight after Bob Gardner was 135, and my body just letting my body fill out the tiniest bit. It wanted to keep going. 135 was still no different than 130 to me. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, okay, um, 
let's then my goal was to stay to fight Katie Taylor, who's the, who was the unified champion at 135. And I became mandatory for her in that fight. But she's busy. She's caught up with Serrano and, and Chantel Cameron and like had all these fights for her. So I'm like, I can't really stick around at 130 if I'm not going to get this fight with Katie Taylor immediately. So I'm like, okay, where can I get this opportunity? Then Top Rank called and said, what about jumping to 147? There's an opportunity to fight Tasha Jonas. I said, mm-hmm. okay. Like, I eventually thought I'd end up at 147, so this, I didn't think I'd jump there so quickly, but there, Chantel Cameron wasn't avail- available uh, at 140. Katie Taylor wasn't available at 135. It was just the most immediate fight for me. And so the next fight, I took at 142 to slowly continue to sort of build that you know, build that strength and build my body out. So yeah, 130, 135, 142, all to prepare for this fight at 147. So a lot of people would look at it and say, as you mentioned, you fought most of your career in the 130 pound weight class with a smack, you know, a few fights since, or really just two fights since in, you know, in the heavier weights. But, and then she's a champion at 147. She was a unified champion at 154. But the reality is, I was, I didn't realize this till I started to look at her record as I was getting ready to talk to you today. That most of her fights, even though she's been a champion in those heavier weight divisions, really were at 130, 135. And I also see on the on the listing you're actually like about an inch taller than she is. So, you know, who's really the she's the champion in the heavier weight class, but who's the who's the the bigger woman, so to speak, in the fight? I, I think I definitely am gonna be. She's had more time at that weight, so maybe she's a little bit more comfortable there. You know, it takes time to reverse all what I've done what I've done to my body, you know, holding it down to 130 for so many years. It takes time to reverse that. You can't just build that muscle overnight. So um, she has, you know, the experience there, but you're right. Most of the fights were at 130, 135. She only went to 154 because that is where the opportunity was. You know, the higher you go in the weights, the little bit less of competition it is. Maybe the little easier it is to snag a belt. So, you know, that's what she did. It was a strategic move, um, and she did that. And now she's come down to 147, and if you look at all the women – that's where they're going. 147 is the next big division for us. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, especially you mentioned like some of the other women you were talking about. Katie Taylor is vacated now. Some of the belts at 135. She's keeping the belts at 140. Got to figure before it's all said and done. She moves up. You're obviously going to go up at some point, uh, you know, for this fight and perhaps beyond. Uh, you know, stay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There for a little bit. Uh, I just want to touch on one of the other fights you had. In, we were talking about, you know, you having a bunch of fights in the UK. The first bout that you had in that uh, run of fights over there was the fight with Baumgartner, which was, uh, you know, a unification fight. It was on that big card you mentioned with Clarissa. It was a pretty big deal. Uh, she barely, barely beat you. Uh, by, like I said, one point on two of the scorecards, you were well ahead on the third scorecard. Since that fight, and you, I mean, we all know the back and forth that you women had going into that fight. A lot of, you know, okay. bad blood, so to speak, between you two guys and gals. Uh, she tested positive in a subsequent fight for a, a banned substance, which, you know, anytime that happens, it's going to make some people think that uh, if you tested positive for that fight, that you maybe weren't clean for previous fights. In other words, you know, when you get caught once, it's not necessarily the first time you ever did it. I wonder what your thoughts were when you saw uh, that she had tested positive for a banned substance. Yeah, I thought, I think her whole legacy is a question now. Now, I didn't think she did that. Although her body was so ripped, she, she claims to be a very hardcore Christian. So I literally never thought that she would do something like that. But I believe it's true. Because if you look at the levels that she tested for, they weren't just minimal traces like something you accidentally got mixed into your protein powder i mean those are really really high levels of testosterone and another black market drug that you really can't even get in america so you know she's guilty and my i'm disappointed because you know there's no going back in reversing like how that's affected the division the 130 pound division over the last two years since she came out of nowhere which is another little hint probably that she you know, wasn't natural but um you know you can't that's that's the story. you know you can't go back you can't you, you never know her whole legacy is in question at this point and and now it's up to the commissions and the governing bodies to, to strip her make an example of her and, and, and give lay some type of punishment down which they haven't um that's the pointing part if she is eligible at some point would you want to have a rematch with her you're not person asked me that and i honestly have to consider whether i want would want to give her another opportunity right now she's going around calling out someone like clarissa shields because she knows that she's you know needs to stay relevant somehow and um, she should be stripped right now i don't think she deserves any of us champions or top you know pound for pound um, all these top girls right now in this generation she doesn't deserve any of our attention or any of our respect until she clears her name which i don't think she's going to be able to do she should have already been stripped um so I don't know. You know, we'll see when it comes down to that. Uh, right now, I'm at 147. She's still at 130. She talks about coming up, but I got Tasha Jonas right now in front of me, um, and all the other girls that are already at 147 that I'm that I'm thinking about. Well, we mentioned a bunch of the top, uh, uh, you know, women fighters yourself and, and Baumgartner at that time. Shields, obviously Natasha Jonas, Serrano, Katie Taylor, Cameron. You mentioned you, all of all of uh, these people I have mentioned. You're all fighting each other in the biggest fights that you can make in your various weight classes. And when the fights are made, they usually are done so with not a lot of drama. As far as, you know, the, the fight comes up, it might take a couple of weeks, a couple of months to hammer it out, and no muss, no fuss, and uh, you get in the ring and take care of your business, and it's on to the next, and it, it seems like a regular occurrence, at least in the female side of boxing. I wonder, why do you think it seems to me, anyway, that it's so much easier for that to happen with the female boxers and it is when it comes to making the biggest fights with many of the men's boxers. Cause us women have more to prove. You know, we haven't had the opportunity. We haven't had the platform. We haven't had like all the support in the networks. We're just a handful of us are now getting that. Mm -hmm. And if we want to continue to grow that and show that we belong and prove that 
made a good decision, we have to make the big fights happen. We want that. That's what excites us. I don't know. I think the men maybe have been a little bit spoiled in the sense where they can kind of coast through, take one big fight, pocket millions of dollars, and kind of, you know, take a few tune-up fights here and there. I just don't think the women have had the privilege. Like, we're here trying to prove that we belong in the sport, and um, in order to we have to put on the most exciting fights possible, whether compensated well or not well enough or not you know hopefully the next generation will but we're going to be doing a lot of things that we're not really going to reap the benefits of so you know i was wondering about this i you know i've always just adored al mitchell your trainer i've known him for many many years one of the best guys i know in the whole sport uh, i wonder how excited does he get to see you go on these types of big fights and have opportunities to fight in the for titles and heavier weight classes and and move along i mean you know he's got to be he's, you know, he's, he's trained a lot of uh, a lot of great boxers, a lot of guys, a lot yeah, of gangsters, mostly guys. A, lot of, a lot of really bad like, gangster boxers who are really accomplished and skilled. And here I come one day in my walking into his gym, my little pink juicy suit, and he never thought that I'd be the one. Because if you look at the group of people he's had in the gym, even the group he had in the gym when I walked in, he would never expect the one to make it this far. And I the last one standing, you know, so he tells me all the time and I always believed I'd be in this position. I'm maybe not exactly how, because we've been, you know, plowing away in a, a path, but I always believed I'd be here. And he says, never expect it. He just never expected it. He just wanted me, you know, maybe may make a little money and then, um, never wanted me to turn pro, you know, just make some money through sponsors and blah, blah, blah. So he's definitely happy that I'm here. And he just wants, he tells me all the time, just, you know, a few more years, you take these big fights, you win them, you take money, so you're set for life, and you just go on and commentate. You don't have to fight anymore. So yeah, exactly. I know he's proud of me, but he doesn't want me doing it forever. Well, I remember distinctly being at your professional debut in Los Angeles. I believe it was the Lomachenko undercard uh, when he fought Mariaga. And uh, where we were seated in the media section was right near your corner. And I, your fight lasted probably, what, 90 seconds in your debut? And the entire 90 seconds, Al was screaming at the top of his lungs, use your jab, use your jab. And now you're 20 fights into your pro career. I wonder how many times do you figure he's yelled at you to use your jab? You guys, (laughs) it's so funny because Coach Al just now is sort of letting me loose. When I mean letting me loose, like for, you know, going into my last, not this past year, but my last few fights at 130 and stuff and me collecting those belts, I'd be in the gym sparring, sparring, sparring. I mean, for that first half of camp, I wasn't even allowed to throw my right hand. I mean, just really, really hard discipline, really hard on me. You know, not letting me throw silly punches. Everything had to be behind my jab. Everything had to finish with the hook. And so, but that's what got me so technically sound now. You know, so I, I'm grateful for it, but still telling me this. I mean, I can't, I hear it in my sleep. I'll hear it for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I suspect that from, <laughs> uh, from your fight against Jonas on January 20th in Liverpool, England, live on ESPN Plus, you'll hear Al yell and use your jab quite a bit. Uh, Michaela, thank oh, yeah. you very much for uh, for the interview time, and I uh, wish you good luck in the fight. Thanks so much. Good talking to you. You too. Take care. Bye.